You're listening to the Library Pros Podcast with Chris and Bob, a techie librarian and a computer IT guy discussing libraries, technology, and all things this side of the reference desk. Thanks, Carl. Hi, and welcome to another very special episode of the Library Pros Podcast. I'm Chris, and Bob will be joining us in a moment. We are doing Coronavirus uh, Volume 2, where we're going to talk about uh, where we're at now that we're two weeks into this crisis here in New York and in other places around the world. Uh, joining us in just a moment will be obviously Bob, who's Bob Johnson from the Emma S. Clark Memorial Library, Nick Tanzi, who is the assistant director at the South Huntington Library in Huntington, New York, James Hutter, technology librarian at the Port Washington Public Library, Jessica Chauten from the Syosset Public Library, Carol Ann Tack from the Merrick Library, Mike Buono from the Brentwood Public Library, Sally Stiglitz from the Long Island Library Resources Council, Rob Thompson, who is the state manager for uh, New South Wales for ALIA, the Australian Library and Information Association, and podcaster and librarian extraordinaire Chris Kretz. So we will be back in just a moment to talk about Corona. Hi, everybody, and we are back with part two of our coronavirus special podcast episode. So joining us today is a great group, most of the same usual suspects from last time with a few additions. So we have Bob Johnson, my co-host on this podcast from the MS Clark Memorial Library, Nick Tanzi from South Huntington, James Hutter from Port Washington, Jessica Shouten, is that how you say Shoutan. it? Shouten. Shouten. Okay. Yes. From Syosset, Carol Antak from Merrick, a new addition, Mike Bono from Brentwood Public Library, Sally Stiglitz from Lilrick. Rob Thompson from New South Wales, Alia representative, New what are you, state manager, Rob? New South Wales state manager, yep. There you go. Uh, and Chris Kretz, Stony Brook University and podcaster extraordinaire. <laughs> so here we are two weeks later from when we were first all in panic mode. And um, where are we at? So, you know, where are we at with regard to our buildings and access and all that fun stuff? Because, you know, I'm sure people needed to get back into the building to grab the stuff they didn't think they were going to need because it was only going to be a couple days. And I say it seems like about 10 minutes and 10 years since we spoke. <laughs> I know, right? It, it feels like, you know, last week was the longest month of the year, right? Yes. Yeah. It feels like it. Yeah. Pretty much. It, it was pretty, pretty rough. Um, I know with regard to, to Sachem, uh, we have to either email or text our director to find out if somebody's going to be in the building so we can go in and we have a whole protocol with, you know, uh, going in staff entrance and signing in with a paper sign in sheet and then, uh, going forward with, um, gloving up, washing down, going and getting what you need, spending as little time in the building as possible and keeping in mind, uh, everything that we touch and wipe down after we touch and then, basically retracing your steps back out to receiving where the, where the door is and um, sign out, take your gloves off, wipe the pen and bring the gloves and put them in the dumpster on the way out. It's like that mission impossible thing with the lasers. (laughs) (laughs) So, right. So what, what's happening with your different buildings with regard to getting access? Can you get access or are you like basically just locked out? It's just total lockdown. Chris, for us, even maintenance, like our facility staff, we're not letting them on site at all. You know, the only time we went on is to do some payroll stuff and to also snag our 3D printers and bring those out of the building. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it really is tough because you don't know how to make that call. And I know part of it had to do with um, with the government saying who could be in the building and how long you right. could be in the right. building, mm-hmm. which, you know, think, well, the government's telling us what we can and can't do. Kind of scary, but, you know, these are kind of scary times, too. Yeah, it's, it's really um, kind of rough because we don't really have a lot of control over what we can and cannot do at the same time without that guidance, uh, you know, left to make our own decisions, it leaves us open for a lot of uh, unnecessary criticism and it's hard time. So we were, we basically have very limited access. We schedule it with the head of security and the business office. And um, I've basically used it just to get some equipment out that my staff needed to work from home. And uh, they went in to send the 3D printers at SCLS. And that's, that's the limit of, of our involvement of going to the building. Right, yeah. Um, that basically was us too. Um, we went into, um, and I guess we can talk about it. Um, we prepared five of our printers to uh, go to Self Cooperative Library System because um, Roger Reyes put together, who's the assistant director over there, put together a printer farm so they could 3D print parts to make face masks for the uh, for the staff over at Stony Brook University Hospital and for some of the other uh, first responders and some of our uh, volunteer ambulance corps. Um, I know I saw Brentwood's printers there. I saw South Huntington. South Huntington, I think I saw one. Uh, I saw some Mastics. I saw Middle Country, uh, a whole bunch of printers from a whole, whole bunch of different places. And from what I understand, they're up to about 100 printers now, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's amazing. That's really cool. It really is amazing. Yeah, but so innovative. And it's really just like kudos to Stony Brook and to Roger and to Dave Eckers, I think. Dave Ecker. From Dave Ecker, yeah. yeah. He, I create lab. Yeah. yeah. So who's who's running the machines there? So over at SCLS, uh, Roger Reyes is kind of overseeing the project, and Aurora Maravelli is kind of like the um, her the, the right hand person to uh, Roger. And there are a couple other people there too that work with Aurora, and they're basically monitoring the prints when the prints are done, picking them up, trying to figure out printers that they're not familiar with, and um, trying to manage when printers oh, are getting jammed, extruders are jamming, or the layers aren't printing right and stuff like that. And I actually was fortunate enough to be asked to go there this past Monday to get all of the Prusa printers up and running that weren't exactly running very well. So um, I was kind of, you know, flattered that they asked me to go over there. And I I got four or five of the printers that weren't running, running. So that was kind of like a, kind of a, a good feeling. But uh, it's, it's amazing what they're doing over there because they're cranking out these face shields. I think they're up to... I want to say 200 a day, maybe more yeah, than they, that. Yeah, they wow. passed 200 Amazing. a day now. Um, you know, <clears throat> and it actually, it is a perfect situation, at least in terms of as a supply chain, because we want to be able to practice social distancing. And it seemed impractical to be scheduling deliveries and probably a bad idea to be hitting member individual member libraries. So to centralize it at one location, you know, makes a lot of sense. And then Stony Brook as a partner is great because they have a makerspace with that iCreate lab and it's an adjacency to the hospital and they're already exercising that kind of quality control over the assembly. So, you know, it's kind of we're keeping it kind of uh, locked down in terms of the the folks that should be involved or involved. Uh, You know, all hands on deck sounds great, but uh, not not when you're practicing social distancing. Yeah, no. Yeah, and I think some school districts are actually jumping on now, too. I think I saw something from Dave uh, on Twitter today that the Riverhead Central School District sent a couple of printers over to Stony Brook. Oh, so, wow. So That's the, good. So now the school districts are getting involved as well. So it's uh, 
it's another example of how libraries step up in times of crises. So if it's not a hurricane uh, or superstorm Sandy situation, um, we're doing it in other ways, uh, even without the building, which is kind of strange. It's kind of like being on Star Trek without being on the Enterprise. And they're giving supplies too, right? Personally, even even libraries that didn't have 3D printers, I believe, were giving Roger and stuff some fun to buy supplies for that. Yes, some cool. libraries actually uh, gave money to SCLS to go purchase printers, and I believe MakerBot yeah. donated a ton of filament. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's great. So they are not wanting for um, for material, which yeah. is great. We didn't have a 3D that's... printer before this. We actually bought Clark just bought a printer and it's already there. I got there in like two or three days and thirty minutes. That's great. Wow. It really is. It's Amazing some, coordination. It yeah. really is. And, and kudos to Roger for for um, for really reaching out and doing that because it was uh, it's a Herculean effort and he's really um, he's really stepping up. The scary part is though, if one person gets sick, the whole place shuts down. That's just the scariest part, yeah. you know. Yeah. 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 Um. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just like I said before. It's just another example of how libraries step up. So, um, so yeah. So, so are everybody's buildings pretty much locked down at this point? My, we're actually we have some open spaces on Stony Brook. We we have some students still on campus for various reasons, and obviously all the the health um, things going on with the hospital. But we do have a, one of our central reading room is is open. I don't think it's staffed at the moment, but just with some space for people to to come in and do some work i know some of the printers are being used but definitely not with a crowd of any size on them so but but most of the, the faculty and the librarians are, are working from home so minimal minimal mm -hmm. staff and they're i think they're all behind the scenes right so chris you're not having to go in at all right no no so it's not like it's a rotating you know you go in two days a week or whatever right nope it's all so all stuck at home mm-hmm here it's a bit different. Um, so there's two libraries next near systems near me, Shell Harbour and then Wollongong. And um, no, Wollongong, uh, Wollongong is still uh, working in the library. Uh, there's no patrons, but they're in the library, whereas Shell Harbour are all working from home. Um, but Wollongong might be doing that from next week or maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So what are we doing with regards to um, keeping in touch with, with uh, our colleagues and staff? You know, I know from, from my standpoint, I'm with, the depart with my department, we are texting a lot. We're using, starting to get Slack up and running. Uh, we had it. We really haven't utilized it to, to my liking. So we're, we're trying to get them, you know, the staff back in, into Slack. Uh, obviously, there's email between the departments and uh, the video teleconferencing. Uh, we've been using Zoom. Uh, the library has one account, and uh, my, between me and my wife, we purchased an account for ourselves because, heck, I could use it for the podcast in the future. And um, it just makes sense instead of having to wrangle, you know, oh, what department is using it at this time and that time and, and all that kind of stuff. So, But there's also so many other, um, you know, there's so many other options too. Google Hangouts is still around. Uh, if everybody has an Apple device, it's still FaceTime. I think you can multiple client with FaceTime and then uh, Google Duo and stuff like that. So um, it's upgraded our Zoom to uh, now we can run multiple meetings at the same time. Oh, really? Helpful. Yeah, you know why? Because we're running so many events no, that we're actually having to check with each other. Like, you know, yeah, committee meeting and um, an educational program. 
running at the same time. Right. So Eric is using Slack and it's been very, very helpful. I think I'm constantly checking it, constantly checking it. So then I forget to check email. And then if you go to email and you're starting to respond to an email, there's something going on on Slack. So you just have to make sure you pay attention to all your different applications. And then we're also texting each other if, if we need something more immediate than either one of those, if you can believe it. We have so many meetings and mm-hmm. then with that, it's like so many meetings. So there's, okay, so this is Jessica from Sayaset. And um, as far as our building goes, generally we're closed. However, um, you know, administration every now and then has to go in to do things. I think James was mentioning uh, that, right? That um, payroll, like payroll yeah. and things like that. But yeah. man, we are like more in touch than ever. Never I mean, before. we we have, let's see, we have two library, like general staff meetings a week. And then we have department manager meetings. And then like between that, you know, like if somebody has a skill that they kind of want to teach to other people, we'll have a mini meeting. Like for instance, we had a recording videos meeting today. Um, and that's not including virtual programming, which I'm sure we'll get into in a bit. One thing we started doing is we just started having a coffee break. So every week we have a coffee break where all the staff can just basically connect. And the rule is you cannot talk about work. Hmm. So all the staff get together and they just do like a mental health check-in with each other. Just how you doing? What's your family up to? How are you coping? And for us, we think that's really important too. We're really trying to just make sure everyone's still like in good spirits here. It's a great idea. idea. That's a great idea. Yeah, I'm starting a um, a statewide coffee morning next Tuesday, uh, ten ten o'clock. Kind of whoever wants to just drop in and like if you're sick of talking to your partner or kids or your pet. (laughs) 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 Yep. But I also did a, a a drop in session, like bring your own drink after work thing on um, last Thursday, and that was with Wollongong and Shell Harbour Libraries just having a chat to see how they were going and what was happening. Um, and I'm planning to do one tonight, which will be for the south coast, which got burnt with all those massive bushfires, and oh, wow. um, hopefully check up on people that way then. And also on Friday night, we're having a sort of Australia-wide, I think, um, after-work drinks drop in and have a 40-minute session. Although the um, on the free one, I found out the 40-minute thing's gone. Is really? It? Oh, yeah? Oh. Mm. Yeah. Because nice. that was a nice way to, to end meetings when you didn't yes, it was. <laughs> want to stick around. <laughs> yes, go. it was. That was my favourite as- favorite aspect of the 40 minutes. <laughs> actually, so people keep bringing up drinks, and that brings a question to me. I mean, i you know, very happy that we have wine shops and stuff that deliver here because I think a lot of us need it. But um, when you're doing a program, how do you feel about, I mean, obviously, you know, you're the people who come can bring whatever they want. How do you feel about staff hanging out with a bourbon? Are they working? I mean, I guess so. <laughs> if it's a program, you know, like, I don't know. What do you all think? It was just something that kind of came up. If it's I mean, a mixer so- and you're not talking, if you're, you're talking work in general terms and it's like after normal business hours, I can't imagine it would be, it wouldn't be 
I don't necessarily put it down for continuing education credits, but <laughs> yeah, you know, librarians, librarians and bourbon. Let's discuss. So they're they're, net, they're networking. It's a networking exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's you know conferences. Yeah. A lot of libraries have done like book discussions at bars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, when they're trying to catch a certain demographic True. and have them try Still. to uh, participate in a book discussion. Yeah, and I think as long as you tell a staff member like you can have one, but please, you're still representing the library mm-hmm. here, so your behavior is going to be important. I'll yeah, be honest, you, I've run book discussions at bars, and it's a fascinating experience uh, <laughs> because you never know what's going to start happening once people get a couple drinks in them and they start discussing a book, and it gets it gets it doesn't get bad. I mean. And I should say that no one was inappropriate, but it's it's a lot of fun because you know all of a sudden this very quiet person's like, no, this book was terrible, and they just start laying. <laughs> well, you got to remember you're you're representing the organization, so you don't want to go and embarrass yourself and drink like Bud Light Platinum or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely not where I thought you were going to go with that. <laughs> got to have some. Stuff I was like, I <laughs> Let me break out a Zima. Oh <laughs> wow. I'm hosting a Facebook happy hour live on um, Facebook live happy hour on Friday at five o'clock. So I will have a glass, but I won't be, you know, I'll sort of nurse that through the hour. (laughs) See how I do. Are you not going to be pouring yourself a refill? Well, it depends. The joke is if you, how many times Carolyn says hoopla, she has to drink. <laughs> Your problem. So this is like every time I say sachem, is that what it is? Exactly. Yeah. Well, sachem. The sachem drinking game. Yeah. So yeah, what, what the viewers will be bringing to the table is not my concern. It's making sure that I stay on track. <laughs> And I mean, just getting back to the, I guess, the collaborative pools. I mean, you know, over at South Huntington, we did go uh, with a, a paid Zoom account. Mm-hmm. And this is everybody's crash course in like Google Docs uh, at this point. Like a lot of folks have a holdouts now are suddenly seeing the value in this. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, then separately, it's all those things that you discover like, hey, organizationally, we're in a G Suite environment. So now we can use Google Meet, uh, Google Meetings in a way that, uh, you know, outside of formal meetings, we want staff to be able to initiate this stuff as well. And I think people that are in a Microsoft environment are all of a sudden discovering some of the video conferencing options that already exist to them. We're in a Microsoft environment, and I have been trying to get my staff to use Teams for going on like a year, mm-hmm. and they absolutely refused. And then the moment all this started happening, I just said to them, all right, Monday morning, everyone be on Teams. Um, I got whining for about 10 minutes, and then within a week, they're all thanking me that they were able to communicate with one another. Um, and that's really just what it came down to. It wasn't even just the work stuff. It was the fact that these people who spend so much time together still had a connection to one another without it becoming like this siloed one-to-one messaging back and forth. They appreciate the fact they could just chat. Yeah. Um, so that's been really healthy and really good for us. And, you know, it felt good when one, when one of my librarian two spots said to me, you were right. We should have used Teams this entire time. I was like, yes! I won. <laughs> yeah, uh, they um, actually turned on Teams because we have Microsoft. Um, and they turned on Teams. I haven't really played with it yet, but um, I know some of the other departments have. So, And there is a video uh, teleconferencing angle with with there um, is. with teams yeah. as well is, yeah. it's it's pretty nice and it comes with the office 365 suite so if you're using that it's like the backbone really? of your organization it's already included if you got that license 
So it's pretty full featured, but we're trying to get more and more people to start using it. That's been a little bit of a struggle. So much. I mean, we even had Microsoft, um, I think sometime last year, they came and they did a free demonstration and we got to go to the Microsoft store in Huntington, New York. And still people are like, it's hard. It's not easy to use. And this is staff. This is all like internally using it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's within the organization. Yeah. I mean, I, I played with it and I found it, um, not easy to use. Um, so you can imagine what, you know, my 60 something year old clerk is going to think of it. You know what I mean? So we kind of went and just, we have, you know, we had dummy Google accounts made. So we use Google Hangouts and then Zoom came along and, and all that other stuff. One of the biggest problems I run into with some of my, my staff members is especially is the uh, password, remembering passwords, remembering logins. So the reason why, even though the, the platform itself is a little bit more complicated than I want it to be, they don't use a lot of the more advanced features. So just by giving them the the, the lack of a barrier of having to log into something else, I find yep. that they're a little bit more open to using it. I should tell my staff, like, close it out like you don't have to leave teams open on your home computer 24 7 like just do work hours you know close it out at five o'clock don't check it just open it up at 9 a.m the next day right yeah my yeah. My, my wife was taking a nap before and my outlook chime kept going off and she's like what the hell is that i'm like <laughs> it's work sorry i'll x out now it's getting very blurred isn't it what's work and yes. what's home yeah i don't oh, no. think there's formal work hours like I, I try to sort of set that, and I see a lot of people nodding. I try to sort of set that for myself, but I find myself, you know, working more than yeah, work definitely. hours. You know, I do the social media, so if something happens off hours, off days, I don't care. I'm posting it. When right. ALA yeah. canceled, I jump right on. <laughs> they thought they were sneaking that in on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, the the other day I was talking a little bit about the digital branch and what the pandemic mean, you know means for it in terms of a surge in users. And one of the things I was trying to communicate to people was, you know, the difference between virtual reference and the virtual reference collection, because <laughs> you have to manage your users' <laughs> expectations. And yes, you can access this stuff twenty four seven. You can't access staff 24 seven and yeah. that can't be the expectation. You know, if you want it nine to nine, guess what? You got to staff at nine to nine. Um, otherwise you're setting up your, your users for, you know, disappointment and you're stressing out staff who all of a sudden feel like, you know, home is no longer a refuge. <laughs> there is no weekend. Right. There are no boundaries. Weekend. Yeah. Yeah, you've got Taco Tuesday, boundary. you know, is on Wednesday now. I don't <laughs> know. Tuesday's on Wednesday. We don't know what day That's it is. Yeah. We don't know what day it is. Yeah. I know. I've got, and Chris, I think you're, you mentioned you're in the same boat. So my wife's a librarian too. And now we have competing, you know, we need different rooms to be in our different webinars. <laughs> and our different meetings. You can't get far enough away that you can both talk and listen to something. And you pray there's enough bandwidth in the house. That's, yeah, right? that hasn't happened yet. But no, we did two Zooms at the same time. And so far, so good. In fact, um, we also set up, got the Zoom because my wife does a prayer group. And when I'm done with this, we're going to be switching to to our Zoom from, you know, because we're using Lyrics now. So she can set up uh, so her prayer group can get together and meet. Yeah, so, I had a little bit of a wake up call today in that some staff revealed to me they don't have a computer at home. 
So the Zoom stuff is just really wow. not that easy to use. Mm. They're using smartphones and things like that, but they can't get much done beyond this, like a simple Zoom attendance. Um, I, if I went out this morning, but I have my phone with data. So oh, I was able to uh, do that, but I have to say, you know, it's that ever-reliable optimum system. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, and some of our staff don't have Wi-Fi. And then also, yeah. uh, you know, Jessica and I were talking about a meeting. She, you know, couldn't unfortunately attend. People have kids at home. There's no school. So, like, they're watching their kids. The schools are it's, still expecting them to teach. It's so hard. It's so hard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I my kids are in pre-K. And in a way, I'm lucky because there's not a real you know, so much of a curriculum, but I also know that they'll be going to kindergarten next year and I don't need that, you know, I still want to keep their skills up. So it's a balance between figuring out when we're going to put time aside for that, where I'm going to hide so I can do my work. Right. Hmm. Jessica, you have to fill out a report card for each one of them. <laughs> I'm going to, and it's not going to be pretty. Well, the bad thing is, <laughs> I, I took over the kitchen, so I claimed the kitchen for like three, four hours a day. So they, they get mad at me when they start to get hungry. I got to gotta turn off my camera or, you know, get out of, <laughs> get out of the room for a while so they can come in. I had one of them come in and yell, recess. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. <laughs> yeah, my middle schooler comes down and tells me how much her math teacher is driving her crazy because she makes videos with hand puppets now. And this oh is eighth grade. Eighth grade, eighth grade algebra. Algebra, yeah. And she's teaching algebra with hand puppets. I think we're all just going a little loopy. Yeah. 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 My, wife, my wife teaches uh, uh, high school, and there was a day last week where she was just like, staring at the, the, the work. She's like, they're all copying. What do I do? And it's like, well, you can't fail them. Just calm down. It's fine. Mm. You know, like, and she's starting to, she's starting to try to call for creative lessons. You're seeing her saying they're trying to like put things like pyramids together with, with glue and videotape it. And it's, it's a rough experience. I mean, teachers yeah. are having to adapt faster than I think anybody else. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's true. Yeah. It's not easy. I, I can't even imagine being, uh, being a school teacher, like for, you know, K through 12. And then my other daughter that's in college, we, she has a writing instructor for writing, um, for English. And basically she says, Oh, just journal what's happening. That's what I'm paying. How many dollars of credit for? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, well. You know, I mean, it, her right now that the class that's the most, I wouldn't say challenging, but, um, the most engaging is astronomy, which I find hysterical since her astronomy class meets at eight o'clock in the morning. Um, <laughs> okay. Did it always meet at eight in the morning? Oh, Isn't God. that usually a nighttime class? Yeah, usually. Yeah. Um, at least back in the in the Stone Ages when I took astronomy. Right. Then yeah, we needed that to navigate to the new world. Because you can. Right. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I'm really, and I don't think it's really an indication of the university as a whole. But I'm just really kind of disappointed with how you think on a university level they'd have a little bit more of an acumen for doing some kind of distance learning. Yeah. Well, I, it, it depends. Cause no, we're, we're Chris, Chris is going to shoot me down now. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but I'm saying, you know, we've, they've got, you know, faculty with maybe a 200 seat lecture course or a chemistry lab. You know, I, I think for a lot of older faculty, I won't, won't be ageist, but let's say it's, it's not, it's, you know, it was a pretty heavy lift to, to just take something they'd been doing you know, in the physical realm all these years and then 
find a, a digital analog to get it, you know, to be engaging. So, and I think with all of us, we kind of have to be easy on ourselves not to think that we can, we can create something from scratch in two weeks, some whole blown, you know, <laughs> pedagogically sound digital approach to everything that we were doing. We, we do the best we can, but. Um, yeah. You know. We're all flying by the seat of our pants. Basically. Yeah. Right. Basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I read honestly know what people are dealing with at home. Mm, I'm yeah. probably that teacher who says just journal has triplets or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I read somewhere that some teacher said, if if you submit it, you'll pass. And if you don't submit it, you'll get an exemption. So it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, I think that's called contract grading. I just read about it. <laughs> the work, really? you get a pass. Yeah, it's a new Yeah, thing. yeah, you do the work, that'll do. I had a professor in grad school who had something like that. I'm sure several of you know who it is. Uh, so I won't put the name out on here, but I thought he was very fair. Um, I mean... It, it worked for the course. Well, what's interesting that I find interesting is my daughter, who's in middle school, they've converted the classes to pass-fail, but for college, they haven't, which is you kind sure? of- uh, I, yeah. I think some have. I've seen a few, at least private colleges, have, have left it up to the faculty to do. So I think it's case I by case. I think Stony Brook is doing that. I'm not sure, but I, I will say- My a grad student. One, one thing, we've, we've had to do a lot of our teaching online. So I, I taught two library sessions on Monday and- Actually, I was surprised all the students signed into Zoom five minutes early. They were all there, ready to go. And so Did you it, actually see them or were you just... Uh, I, I, it was optional. I said, you don't have to turn on your video. One one guy did, I guess. He felt like he needed to belong, but it was optional. Yeah. But it, it went well. I mean, it's just a matter of adapting. The one thing that's good about all this is like now everyone's trained. You know, we did this talk two weeks ago and Rob had said something like, oh, these pandemics, they come in waves sometimes. And I'm like... Our administration, we're like, we got to be prepared for something like that. It's yeah. good we put all this remote stuff in place, and now everyone's trained, and like, we can like flip a switch and activate all this stuff again if we have to, in twelve months. You know what? We're getting seventy to one hundred people attending our events, which is really high for us. And so I'm wondering, going forward, maybe we should just keep doing online events. Well, you yeah, know, that brings it. up a good point, Nick. You had done something online um, in the past week or so, and you had. A crazy amount of people in in your seminar. Oh yeah, yeah. I was working with Library 2.0. What a great PCI set webinars. of programs, Nick. It was great. Yeah, yeah, they did. Uh, it was very timely. You know, they wanted to do something kind of a mini virtual conference on the pandemic. Um, so people took different approaches. Uh, my particular topic was kind of what does this mean for the digital branch and users with an eye on that, but also what does this mean long term? And I think we've all brought up a couple of times, you know, what is the new normal? I think once people kind of, you know, maybe they got dragged kicking and screaming into, you know, teleconferencing, but now they see the value in it. You know, what does this mean going forward for things like, uh, you know, library conferences, um, depending on what that virtual equivalent looks like? Um, you know, and then you just see, even with like, you know, uh, you know, in today's age now, we're looking at more green options and what does it mean when you, you can, you know, avoid unnecessary travel. Some of these are just good habits, right? Pandemic right. and no pandemic, like washing your hands is a good idea. <laughs> yeah. um, unnecessary travel, avoiding unnecessary travel is a good idea. Um, you know, those types of things. So, 
you don't know because, you know, especially in the U.S., you know, sometimes things happen and you're like, man, there's no going back after that. And then we we tend to forget our lessons. And <laughs> what do you guys kinda... think about ALA being canceled? I don't know if that happened before we spoke last time. It didn't. Yeah. I think that yeah. was recent. Yeah. And the Long Island Library Conference. Yep. Long Island Library Conference as well. Smaller, but. I saw coming. But... Yeah. <laughs> well, that could, that could be online, right? Long Island, we could set up a zoom and everyone just it's meet there nature. instead of in uh if they want that hmm. it'd be innovative if they it's tried something or anybody tried something like that you know that'd be really kind yeah. of an innovative thing to do you know and, I and, one, and, and, and it's kind of, kind cool. of yeah and it and not only is it cool but it's the kind of thing that people would probably attend from their homes because it's a chance to see people again like I don't know how restrictive it is over there, but we've just come under more restrictions as of Monday, and uh, we're you're only allowed two people out at any one time walking the streets and things like this. And if you haven't got a good reason, they'll just fine you or and send you back home. But the, the more restrictive it is in social distancing, the more need there is to do some kind of online uh, conferencing thing because it gives you a chance to go get out out and and actually participate and see people that you wouldn't normally see well rob so, haven't you done I that haven't you done that before with the unconferences no my unconferences have always been you had to be there they're not being virtual mm. i haven't done that when I but i'm thinking about one, it there was a virtual lobby there were virtual vendors where you could talk yeah. to yeah Yep. There were different presentations. So it was really a good experience because it didn't feel like just signing to one class or another. So, Bobby, you're scratching your head now and going, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> no it's my virtual purpose. swag. I'm, I'm encouraged <laughs> by it, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, when, uh, and when the, we talk and about like – What Nick was saying before, too, is we don't know what the new normal will be. And I think, you know, there's people putting up story times left, right, and center online for kids – well, what, why should you be tied down to Tuesday at 10 o'clock for right. a story time? Why can't you just dial up the story time at any time? You, well, not dial up, you know. <laughs> get, get the story time online whenever you want. What, why isn't that a thing? Why doesn't that now thing. become the thing? You mean and YouTube if it's story content? time for kids, why not story time for adults? Why not story time for teens? Yeah. You know, there's lots of ways that we can uh, leverage off this pandemic to make the new normal even more interactive that was actually it's interesting you say that too because one of the questions during that conference was there was a YA librarian who was concerned with if my programs go virtual what do I do if that's what they want to do and it's like well we need to be user driven ultimately right I mean <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. and we know that's a kind of a classic thing where sometimes librarians design for librarians and that's not really user friendly or the way things go um, yeah. The, the other thing that you almost have to consider is our organizations and companies around the world now are investing in certain infrastructure, right, to be able to host these types of meetings, to do this. And, you know, they are very, especially outside of library land, are very ROI, right? They, they're very driven by the return on investment. And if they've set folks up with, you know, remote access and they've built these infrastructures, they're going to lean on them for the foreseeable future. Um, yeah. So it's just, again, yeah. I think this is, while it's not all here to say stay, and in fact, eventually people 
are going to be desperate to get outdoors <laughs> and meet people in person and all that weird stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, some of this is going to still kind of be around. Uh, to say, though, for real conferences, it's not about the session. It's about meeting people and talking the people, to them. The right? networking, yeah. yeah. Networking. Yeah. Yeah. networking. Yeah. That's right. why my unconference works, because you get rid of the, co- the, the <laughs> session, so you just do the thing. But you're still in person, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's perfect. But, yeah. It's all so, networking. What's the, the one thing I've, I've got my eye on, and it, it this kind of exposes the, the fact that there's so many physical books that don't have an ebook equivalent. And that's a lot what we deal with now with students and, and teachers who had things on reserve in, in our world that needed it. So it's like a scramble and it's kind of exposing, you know, the, the I don't know if that will be a push later after everything's over to, to digitize more, or I don't know if you're following the internet archive yes. for Fluffle. Yeah. They're, they're making they copyrighted work uh, available under that sort of umbrella of emergency. So We'll have to see how that shakes out, but authors don't make a lot of money. I don't like stealing their of content. course. Yeah. Right. Right. And they've been really right. big on saying or use your library, which is sort right. of they have very appreciated. They're not even just saying they're like, look, here's why we have a problem with that with this. You know, we real we want you to use a library. Do do you guys know in real time or do you know like is is there been an uptick in ebook usage in the last is it too soon to say that or no well, I think there was this, there was actually a statistic that I heard in my um my department head meeting from so, my uh, from my um uh assistant director that Overdrive on Sunday had 8100 downloads in one day. Wow. I yeah. believe that's the number 8100 downloads in one day, which is an all-time high for them. And Nick, you wanted to chime in on that too? Oh, no, no, that's I, I was ready to correct you if you got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you got it right, so I can't. I mean, I could say it's like 8102, but can I say that my social media platforms are getting followers in a rate much higher than they ever have? Isn't that weird? Yeah, yep. people want to connect. And what's interesting, too, like in terms of podcasting, I've seen that our numbers for our podcast have gone up. Yeah, um, because that, that's a clear sign of boredom. I got that be is honest. yeah, <laughs> exactly. Ten percent of that is my mother. <laughs> the, <laughs> they're having the trouble month, sleeping. The month of March alone, <laughs> turn the page got six hundred and thirteen downloads. Wow, wow. that's massive. That's <laughs> yeah, so can I share some good news? Um, I'm on Long Island Reads, and the event, the live event, was canceled, but it's going to be held on Facebook. Yeah, oh, excellent. Yeah, good. That's, so great. that's great. So. Read your book really quickly, Life from Other Stars. Eric. It's so good. That's yeah. actually the program my staff's running right now. We'll be running in a few minutes. Is Long Island Reads Book Club on Zoom. Really? Yeah. And Carolyn, didn't you just have the author on your podcast? I had the author on the podcast, and then we hosted the book last month, and I had 52 people show up for that book. Wow. And I thought, oh, my God. And then I played them the podcast. I sent all the mem- all the people who were there. I sent them a link. I don't know if anyone fell asleep or not. <laughs> and she's a Long Island girl, right? She is. She what, is. A, what a doll. Yeah. Sure, Suffolk. Yeah. Yep. So that's nice, too. Um, yeah. So what are we doing? We talked about, you know, virtual reference and reference chat and all that stuff. So what are we doing to stay in contact with our patrons, uh, whether it's virtual programming, videos, featuring our online services, uh, doing that, the online reference um, and... If we are doing online reference, what are the hours? Because that, you know, now that we're all at home, 
we can't necessarily say, you know, you're at work, you're on the reference desk for four hours when, you know, your daughter needs help with her science and, and you know, the dog is barking. And, and, <laughs> and then in terms of that, that, that virtual reference, what happens if you get more than one patron on at a time? So I thought I'd just throw that out there and, and have you guys rip that apart. Let me ask, where is the restroom from home? That's <laughs> my restroom. <laughs> or what's the phone number to CVS? Yeah. What's my password? Well, when, when you when you guys do I've gotten a bunch of those. Yeah. When when you guys do reference, do you just usually have one person? Because we're since we're all at home now, we we're like overloaded during chat times because we have like twelve to eighteen librarians <laughs> ready to go. So, uh, so I don't know if you staff it at a different level or or oh, I you think. know. So we're well, you know. Sorry, go ahead. Nick. I'll go real quick and then you go. Sure. Okay. So, you know, I guess that's where to me, like format is very important too. So, you know, we can't treat chat and text equally here and email and an answer, right? And that, that it's going to inform your staffing level. So, for example, if you're doing live chat, I am not going to sit on your web page for five minutes waiting to hear back, right? My expectation is almost immediate answer. Whereas text, no, it can be much more asynchronous. I can send a text, I hear back five minutes later. Great. Um, so if the expectation is you're doing chat and somebody has to get right back to you, redundancy is very important in terms of staffing. Chat, uh, I'm sorry, text or email you don't have to go crazy with, you know, in terms of redundancy, you can spread that staff out to maybe give you broader coverage in hours. But, uh, you know, we live in like the, uh, the time of instant gratification. So the idea that I'm going to type my question into a chat box and I'm going to stick around on that website is highly unlikely. <laughs> Nick, were yeah, you doing chat reference before this started? So, um, we were doing, we had text to librarian and we essentially embedded within our site. And that was for, um, you know, you could obviously, you could text your question and receive a text back. We could also leave an email address and receive your answer via email. Because I used to work in academia and Chris Kratz and we were just so used to chat day and night, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Daytime chat. Chat was always on my computer. Mm -hmm. And it would just pop up in the middle of whatever we were doing. So virtual reference was very common in the academic form world, but mm -hmm. in publics, I didn't think it was. Yeah, you know, again, I think it's it's tricky because in a public library, when you're doing chat, it becomes a back office function. Otherwise, there's a chance that you have the public going to a public reference desk, and it gives the impression that you're ignoring their very important question. Yep. You know, to to and and chat just has a negative connotation when it's being done at a reference desk. <laughs> you know, they think you're online shopping when, like, right. no, you're really performing uh, with the <laughs> reference. Right. On, uh, you know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we were manning the reference desk the same hours uh, with the same schedule that we were when we were open. Um, you know, our reference was the building's very, very busy. So it, it's, it's the hard part for my, my staff is that we went from constant stimulation from constant patron interaction to like next to nothing. Yeah. Um, but even so to maintain that normalcy, it's, we have them logged in to chat from nine to nine, Monday through Friday and nine to five on Saturday. Um, with usually three people logged in at any given time. 
three to five people, depending on the depending on the, uh, the schedule. Um, but again, that's as much for staff normalcy as it is for demand, because we're not getting that many uh, questions. And sometimes they're coming in, even though we say it's clearly on our site, the chats only open during business hours. We're still getting chats at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. Uh, that we're answering the next day. Uh, but because uh, we use fresh chat and ask them to put an email in, so we'll, we'll follow up with email for those people who go on in the middle of the, the, middle of the night. Is that question, why can't I sleep? <laughs> it's almost always, how do I extend my hold? Or how do I how do I get my hold? Or what's going to happen with my fines? It's 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 uh, a lot of things have been procedural. And I think that um, people just aren't used to it yet. And in our community, it's very mobile-based. So um, I'm hoping to get some SMS integration into the, the fresh chat itself so we can get questions in that way. Well, Mike, let me ask you this question. Um, I know you, you're in charge of adult reference. How do you handle a question when it's a children or teen question? Do you, do you see that coming through as much? We haven't had any yet, but the discussion I had with uh, administration and head of youth services, Tara, was that since I am a certified youth services librarian, um, if, I, if I could handle it, I would handle it. And if I can't, then I would, I'd reach out to her directly. Okay, so you're not having you're not doing um, different departments being on the chat at the same time. No, it's almost all reference right now, and I'm on technically all the time. Mm -hmm. um, that's just because you know, as the person who's running it, just in case there's anything that's really crazy that comes through, I'm available. Um, and also, I don't sleep, so it's just uh, mm -hmm. it's beneficial, you know, for for times like this. Quick, somebody go get on get on Brentwood's text and ask if uh, he's got Prince Prince Edward in a can. <laughs> oh, no. Here though, I can, it's right on my screen right now. So. Is your fridge running? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how was that? Just uh, your text going off? Um, so, so how are we keeping? How are we interacting? Um, and I, Jessica, you had mentioned earlier about you know the online programming and, and some of that stuff. What? Yes. Because everybody's doing a little bit of a book discussion here, or a, a fifteen-minute to thirty-minute quasi-class tech thing there. Some people are doing this and doing that. So here's—I have—it's a twofold question. The first is, what are you guys doing? And two, are you doing it better than the YouTubers that have been doing it for years? <laughs> um. Okay, so I guess I'll um, take. Not a three under the bus, Jessica. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine. It wasn't directed at you specifically. It was for everybody, but you just—you're uh, the one no. that chimed up. So. Yeah, sure. No, it's fine. Uh, so, Syosset, we began uh, having virtual lectures over Zoom, um, and it just started kind of in spats, and it's still something we're sort of getting used to. But uh, a lot of our lecturers who have been popular in the past will hire them to do a Zoom lecture. Um, Children's has hired some of their performers to do like a virtual baby and me or a virtual play hooray class. Uh, and then we'll just sort of come up with something on the fly. Like our reader services department is doing themed title swaps um, every week uh, at different times. So, you know, we're still kind of getting used to how that works and what programming means and not stepping on each other's toes. Although now that I know that the, um, the Zoom meetings that of the individual accounts are not 40 minutes anymore. Although that 
is kind of good for certain programming. Maybe, you know, staff members who are doing something that might appeal to a different demographic. For instance, a story time while a lecture is going on might want to break off into a different account. Um, so that's, that's like been a lot of what we've been doing. And we've also been doing a lot of, um, uh, videos of book recommendations, story times, finger plays, uh, tutorials on how to download things. Well, I think that's part of it too, just being able to talk about the services that the library has for people on their mobile devices, like the, the Libby's and the overdrives and stuff like that too. And, you know, kind of introducing them to that. Caroline, go ahead. You had something. Yeah. So on, I don't know what weekend it was the last weekend. It could have been the weekend before. I don't really remember what day it is, but I decided to do a, um, not as good as YouTube, I'm sure, but I did a at home tutorial for Hoopla and I explained what I was doing. And then I because I don't know any other way to do it. I just kind of turned my phone around so that <laughs> could see what it looked like and showed what I was clicking and, and made it really simple. And, and then I recommended three books that I thought would be helpful. You know, if someone was looking for something to read, there's no waiting list, et cetera, et cetera. And it was, I think I did maybe two and a half, three minutes, maybe four tops and put that out there. And it got a lot of clicks because people didn't realize you would, I mean, I, I feel like I don't know what we're missing that we're not constantly, I don't know what else we can do except me walking around with the sandwich board saying mm. hoopla, hoopla, even, you know, when we were <laughs> open, when we were brick and mortar, this is what we would always say, try hoopla, try hoopla. And then once I did it and people connected to my face, oh, you're from the reference desk. We see you all the time. And that kind of thing. It got their attention. So just that, face recognition, doing a post and then putting it up on uh, Facebook. And then it went to our YouTube channel, which now we have a YouTube channel. It was really helpful for, for them to see that tutorial. And then we have the story times all the time now that go up on, they do a Facebook live. We have a bedtime story, Facebook live, which is really fun. Oh, that's and nice. then um, I'm doing book discussions. And then I'm also doing something different because the daytime people were able to come to the book discussion all the time, but the people who worked could not. So now I'm doing a nighttime one for people to, and they can zoom in and we can talk about different books that everyone can read on Hoopla. I think we're doing um, in the time of the butterflies. So it's just interesting that you're finding all these different, did I go off track? I don't remember what the original. No, no, no. no yeah, I love no. that book so much. That's one of my favorite books of all time. You're yeah. actually right on point because we're talking about how, you know, we engage the patrons and clearly you're doing right. that. And um, they really like seeing, and I think Jessica may have mentioned this earlier, they, the patrons really like seeing our faces. The people they came in and saw at least three or four times a week, the regulars are happy oh hi it's good to see you guys we miss you and it's just so nice to have that interaction you kind of know that people are happy to see you but when you read it on your facebook page you're like wow this is really great that's see the difference between you and youtube thing. yeah that's the difference between you and youtube yeah yeah absolutely so um in terms of doing those tutorials uh one thing that i learned today just in having a department head meeting that for those of us with um with iphones or ipads you have the I know I don't know if you know you have the ability to, to do screen recording. So when you're um, in, enabling that screen recording, I think you have to add it to your control center. But once it's there, if you just 
press the screen record button, it'll record the screen and whatever you're doing. But if you press and hold that button, another menu comes up to enable the microphone so you can actually um, actually talk while you're doing whatever you're doing on the screen. So you can create an online tutorial that will record with your voice. So I found that incredibly well, I helpful. That. So yeah, I never so knew we, that. so I if we're doing if we're doing a Libby demo on how to download, you know, a, a book or an audio book, we can do that demo and then create it as a video file and then get it up onto YouTube or put it on our website or do whatever. So one thing that we're going to try to do over at Satrum, every one of us are going to put together a list of our favorite apps that nobody really knows about. So we all have that mm. app that we love that's not really, you know, super popular, but you found it. Like I have one that's called Mileage Keeper. So every time I fill my car up, I put in the info and it does all the calculating for me. Um, and I can have one for each car. Um, you know, silly little things like that. And even if it's something like DoorDash or Yelp or something like that, you could go over some of the functions of it. Now, obviously, it's going to be dated when they update the app, but for the circumstance that we're in right now, being in the epicenter of this this crisis, I think it's a good distraction program, as it were, because you can show them, you can even demo, demo easy games for them to play. Yeah. Mm. So think yeah. in terms of that, you know? What is it called? A screen recorder? Screen so, yeah. Recorder. So um, if you go into settings and then you go to control center, where is control center, you can um, customize your controls and add it. It's called, um, where is it? Screen recording. Hmm. Oh, there it is. And then if you add that to your control center, when you swipe yeah. down where your battery is and you get that menu, you'll mm -hmm. see it there. So if you press and tap it, you can record your screen. But if you press... And hold it, it'll ask you to if you want to enable the microphone. And now you can do a tutorial that you can post to YouTube or wherever else. Amazing. Thank so, you. For our, the tip. Yeah. Our head of reference, Ralph Guto, has been doing a bunch of them um, for Hoopla, for Canopy, for Overdrive, but also for like Pluto TV, which I don't know if a lot of people know about. It's um, free streaming TV, it's got tons of ads, but. You know, that was like, I guess, his app that he didn't think enough people knew about. So we've been adding that to our catalog. And anytime you can add anything that has to do with free streaming TV, mm -hmm. that is a huge thing now. Uh, one of the, the programs that we're going to try to offer is uh, one of my uh, my trainee, Alex, he's going to be doing uh, Cutting the Cord program. Can you think of any more of an appropriate time than now to talk about Cutting That's the Cord? Time, yeah. Um, yeah, you may not be dumping uh, cable right now, but at least you'll have that option to test some things out and then, you know, make that phone call to Cablevision if you can get through to them. Um, mm. But <laughs> Actually, they cold called my house today trying to sell us cable. Mm. Seriously. No, like, they really? do tell you your call is important to them. So. Of course it is. Sally, that was good. They don't even, like, they don't even make that recording sound empathetic. They're like, your call is important to us. Like, okay, sure. The best part my is. money is important to you. You know, our menu options have changed. I didn't know what your menu options were before. <laughs> so what is a menu? Can I just so say my pet peeve is when you go through all the menu options and they say our office is closed for the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about how about moving that up front? Let's try back tomorrow when our hours are. Yeah, exactly. Well, all, all this with the apps and the services, it's sort of like, you know, when you're running low on food and you have to look in the back of the closet for something you never looked at, or this is the time to try something that you forgot you had or didn't know you had. or Resort to the dog biscuits. Froze a long time ago, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I forgot to mention, um, 
talking about recording things. Mm-hmm. I recorded a lecture, um, which was more my trip around the Welsh libraries that I did in November or back in um, September. And I put that up. And I just recorded that in Zoom um, and did a slideshow and all the rest of it and, and put that out there just because somebody said, oh, I wish that you were still doing your lessons because then I have something to go home and listen to. So from that conversation, that's how that ended up. But, yeah, that worked. That's not a bad idea either. It's No, it's great. So, James, <laughs> James, you were talking um, over the, the chat about some of the strategies you're doing over in Port Washington. Yeah, like because you were talking about patron outreach and, like, I can't say we're the first to do this. I think Rosalind had talked about this uh, at a, a Zoom meeting, but we're actually going to do a, a dump where we're going to take our patron list and we're going to pull all the names of people that seem like they only have landlines and they don't have their email address on file. We're going to sort of assume they're not that tech savvy and they probably haven't been hit with like our e-blasts and our social media postings. And a lot of our staff are just kind of sitting on their hands looking for things to do during this quarantine. We're going to start giving them lists of phone numbers where they can kind of just call these people out of the oh, blue and be like, this is the idea. library. How you doing? I'm just checking in. Do you know about some of our services that we have? If you want, we can call you back in a few days if you just want to chat. Or if somebody's like, please don't call me again, that's fine too. But just as a way of just doing some outreach that's a little bit more proactive. That's amazing because today Lilrick's meetup, people were talking about that. I know not everybody seems to have the contact numbers, though. Well, yeah, you have to have access to your ILS in order to do that. Yeah. So it's up the county that seemed to be an issue. Yeah, thankfully, uh, in Nassau County, they're being pretty open about that. Like, if you need anything, just reach out to them. They're going to try to accommodate in any way possible. So that's been very nice. And that's kind of taking an old skill and making it new again. Yeah. Yeah, Shell Harbor is doing – they they have a home – I don't know if you guys have this – so for people who are housebound, they have a home delivery service, home yes. library service. Yeah. Um, so that's on hold because of the coronavirus thing and all the rest. So what they're doing now is they're contacting those people and going through and doing a bit more of an in-depth conversation to see, okay, what are you actually reading? Mm-hmm. What what books do you really want? That kind of thing and trying to fine-tune their, their, um, their reading list a bit better. Has anybody reached out to, um, I guess, um, authors to see if they wanted to do something like, um, you know, virtual author visits and things such as that? I haven't reached out, but I've seen so many postings on Twitter from authors just saying, get at me. These are like famous (laughs) authors. They're like, just DM me. I've got nothing to (laughs) do too. I'm sitting at home. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And I'll jump in on your Zoom book club and... And now James Patterson is in my Instagram all the time. (laughs) So it seems like they're willing to engage. It seems like there are some big names out there that are actually looking to do something to just sort of help their readers out. Especially since so many books have been pushed back publishing wise. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's very hard for them. So the, the the next question that I have, and nobody has the answer to this, but I'm just going to throw it out there anyway. You know where we are now, especially here in New York, being the the hot zone in in the United States with regard to this outbreak. 
Um, New York State had said that we could probably start opening on April 19th. Now, we all know that, you know, April. first of all, April 19th what? is a Sunday. April 20th <laughs> would be, you know, our, our day that as of right now, um, and obviously this is probably going to change, um, that, you know, we can start opening the buildings. Now, let's assume for, for a second that we're past that hump and we're on the way down and we're ready to open the building. And forget whether it's April 19th or June 19th or, or July 19th or Christmas. Um, how are we preparing for that opening? Now, I know, Nick, we talked about this a little bit in the last episode with regard to you know, it being a slow roll. Um, I know over at Sachem, uh, when we had our meeting, the director said, this is going to be a slow roll. So let's take the programs we have and cut back at least 50% on our programs and figure out how we can do this with social distancing still in mind. So what does it you know, smell like, look like, taste like when we actually have to turn the lights back on and, and jumpstart this again? And I'm going to start with Nick because um, he kind of led the charge with this with the last discussion to see if his, his feelings have changed at all. Nick? Did we lose Nick? Well, hmm. oh, okay. I'll tell you, just as an organization, can you hear me? Yeah, you keep breaking yeah. up, though. You okay? Thumbs up if you can hear me. Yeah, you know what? I'm literally running an internet speed test as we go, and I feel like we're probably over bandwidth in my community because it's lagging something awful right now. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, to, right now we canceled our programming through May. Um and that's kind of the expectation is, I don't know that, like, you don't just immediately unring the bell. Um, never mind that. I don't think people's behaviors change that quickly where we go from, you know, we're supposed to, at this point, we're shopping and, and only go shopping as a matter of necessity. And how all of a sudden, you know, in three weeks time, you're, you're going to tell folks or in two weeks time. <laughs> that you immediately return to a sense of normalcy, I think isn't likely to happen. And, you know, without reading the tea leaves, I keep waiting for another executive order to come down anyways. I think everybody's just trying to buy enough breathing room to read the data, to make an informed decision. Um, but our expectation anyways was just to have some organizational certainty was to cancel, you know, our May programs. Can anybody see the libraries having reduced hours when they open? I haven't I would, seen that yet. Right? Yeah, I would think so. I, I could see that. Yeah, I could see it as a possibility, but I guess we'll have to see. We were kind of joking, what? saying that our security guard is going to become a bouncer, where we can't let more than fifty people in the building at a time. Actually, not but, a joke. They they <laughs> do that. Hey, great. Yeah, price it's not a joke yeah. at all. Yeah, it's yeah. actually. We had the good fortune of having epidemiologists from NYU Langone live in our community and approach the director and I about pandemic control measures. This was like four or five weeks ago, and she walked us through a lot of this stuff. Staff staggering, mm -hmm. you know, changing who, who can work and when and how many staff per day, how many people to let in the building, only open certain wings of the building certain days. This you know, is, a little yeah. bit is like the law of unintended consequences, too, because, you know, you wanted to reduce hours with the point of limiting exposure, but then that can have the net effect of now it's like a doorbuster sale which doesn't do anybody any favors. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the times you almost have to think, hey, if we do A, 
what B is like what the likely patron behavior is and, and kind of think about that. But one of the tricks right uh-huh. now is the fact that apparently so many people could be asymptomatic for so long. Right. And that, you know, now they're saying like the latest data, they think may be up to a quarter of people don't even really show the symptoms you would expect, but can still be carriers. And that's, you know, that's concerning because a lot of the, like, there's no sniff test here. There's no <laughs> yeah, way to know. There's no way to know. Right. It's, it, and that's, that's the concern, disconcerting part that um, I think we talked about it last time too. You, we could be over the hump and on the way down and then everybody goes back to their normal lives. And then the, the, that the bell curve goes right in. back up again. Like it happened with, uh, with this, with the uh, Spanish flu back in, was it eighteen nineteen? So, you know, what is the answer? The answer is there is no answer until it's gone. And is it ever really going to be gone? That's the other question. I mean, I don't want to be gloom and doom. People are probably listening to this to get away from all this kind of speculation and talk. But in terms of opening the building, what are some of the models out there? Now, Nick, you were thinking maybe, or James, you were talking like having the bouncer situation. Maybe we give out bracelets, and when you come out, you get take off your bracelet, and then we have to throw it out because the next person can't wear it because they may get the virus. Um, or maybe um, like like uh, some other you – know, I think Nick was saying opening certain parts of the building or making only certain parts available or having reduced hours. Is there any way that we could find a balance in the beginning between what we've been doing now online – and having the building open for a limited service. Well, I just one thing I want to point out really quickly is when this first started happening, the guidance we were getting, you know, because we always have to operate within the law. A lot of people, and you know, Chris and uh, James, when we were talking about our book, we always said, like, in terms of policy, what do you start with? You start with what the law is, right? Because you know that, <laughs> that that's a good starting point. Without an embassy, we can't suddenly operate outside the bounds of the law. And for a public building, it is so much at odds with uh, some of the things that you need to do to keep people safe. You know, social distancing, but open meeting laws. Um, And for example, somebody comes in and they appear symptomatic. There really is no mechanism to ask somebody to leave as it stands right now. Now, common sense dictates you would have that person leave the building. But show me where in the law you can toss a person for coughing Actually, um, <laughs> and our attorney gave yeah us that right what we and yeah that that's where again you know a lot of this is we're trying to get breathing room so that folks can you know like and you know i i, I work in a public organization so to me to complain about the speed of government is somewhat ironic but <laughs> <laughs> well but that's what's happening you have a fast moving pandemic and then you're trying to operate within the law and it, it's it's lagging i guess that means i got to keep updates? my tax forms out for another couple of months too huh that's right <laughs> any updates on the budget situation in new york state so they they kicked it till like the end of june um, is the direction, and that's minus anything else happening. So, South Huntington, we had already made the decision to. It's weird; you can't technically cancel a vote, but you can like not hold the vote. And as again, it's a matter of nuance with, with the law and the, these notices. But we also have a trustee election and trustee terms. We have two trustee terms that expire. Mm-hmm. So, as it stands right now, we're gonna like we're like, well, I guess, but. 
by and large, at least in speaking for New York State, the schools tend to drive a lot of at least the governor's thinking because they're a big organization in terms of as a share of tax dollars, they're much larger than libraries. So anytime these things start affecting the school calendar and the school budget votes and, you know, their trustee elections is where it suddenly becomes a consideration. And then the library, we tend to get the guidance somewhat afterwards. So the expectation is closer to the summer. They're going to say, oh, crap, you know, <laughs> we're, we're basically we're f- functionally asking you to break the law and then we're going to chastise you for it. <laughs> right. And, and because we're in a state of emergency as well, you know, the governor has the jurisdiction to um, override the codified law at this point. Uh, so, you know, Governor Cuomo can say, uh, we're n- you know, I can override the election law because of the state of emergency and say, Okay, we're now going to hold our elections this day. We're going to move the primary day to this day. We're going to do mail-in ballots based upon the last census or based upon whatever the whatever way they can track who's living where. You know, so he has it, the authority under this under um, this emergency um, situation that we're in to actually do that. So, what the question is, once the, the the emergency is declared over and we go back to normal operations as a New York state government, what, and I, I know I'm keeping it really local for New York state and Rob is rolling his eyes at me. Um, you know, what happens once the emergency is over and, you know, how does everything get rolled back and, and get rolled back into a nice neat package, which is called the consolidated laws of the state of New York. You know, that, that's, that's kind of a, a, a questionable and unknown thing, you know? And, and I would I would just say for my situation, you know, it, it, we're we're back opened when the university is back in session. So you know, when when are they going to be ready for twenty five thousand people to be back on campus? Yeah, is going to be the question for any large university. You know, when does that become acceptable again? Well, Rob, you brought up a great a great idea in the chat, and I guess down in Australia, it never really gets so cold that you can't do this. But you know, you're <laughs> wondering about maybe bringing the library out. And I'm thinking in terms of now in Nassau County, this is a little bit harder because you don't have as much parking space, but bringing the library out into the parking lot, maybe with tents. So we can use one of the gardens that we have at our library or, you know, taking the library and putting it outside somewhere. Or even into a different public building, um, like a hall or something. I don't know what you guys have, but halls or, or other public buildings where you can take over all parks um, take over the building to sort of spread the collection further in a sense so that if you want the the young adult section, you go to this building, not to the library. The library becomes that building as well, just as a way of spreading. But for programs and things that they happen outside of the, the, the building, um, you might take over the shopping centre or something or some abandoned store in the shopping centre um, uh, as a way of getting outside of the four walls of the library so that the library is spread out a bit more rather than in one concentrated space. Well, it makes some sense. We could do it yeah. as an outreach, right, guys? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I sure. mean, I know I, I'm, wor- you know, before all of this happened, that was sort of one of my ultimate goals of my position um, as community engagement. And, you know, I was pushing further and further out but we had to cancel some of those events because of what's going on now. So, 
I think the ultimate vision was, though, that we're not, we have to sort of expand beyond our four walls. And now we're doing it in a digital way. Um, and I believe at PLA, I don't think I attended this. I don't think, I know I didn't attend this program. I had to go to something else, but there was something called library at the mall. I don't know if anybody who was there went there where there was like a storefront library at a mall. So I think your thinking is spot on to what, you know, well, like people like behind even what's happening now. Well, Shell Harbor library here have been doing a Friday after a uh, Friday sort of two o'clock ish thing in the in the local shopping mall here of story time for kids in the shopping mall so it's kind of an extension of that idea of taking programs from within the library and sticking them because there's there's likely to be if this like my question about when's the end of the school year if that's the end of june for you guys that's probably when this is all going to start to clear up a bit um Probably. So that means that kids are more around the place. So going to a shopping mall where there's likely to be um, less uh, shops open because some businesses will be still trying to recover. So the possibility of taking over a space within a shopping mall means that that, that could that's a possibility for you guys to, to get on um, to start things. It makes sense. And I'm even thinking in terms of like just in terms of where I work, we have that big garden in the back. Rent one of those big, you know, um, party tents. Yeah. And put it out there with, you know, with with the clear plastic walls to come down and and at least take, you know, have a welcome back kind of celebration, even if the building isn't 100 percent ready to go because it's still yeah. open air. And they say it that feels being, more socially distant, right? Right. Could, could we yeah. could we give um, hand sanitizers as they come in? Welcome back. Here's your <laughs> hand sanitizer from your local library with our logo. Yes. yes. Yeah, we you call it the just in case hand library. sanitizer. <laughs> Welcome back. Wash your hands. Welcome back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your social distancing rules. Please please make sure you note them and uh, sign and agree. Right. Like as a side note, isn't it creepy when you go to the store now and you see all the blue painters tape on the carpet telling you yeah, where you no, have to stand? Great. I love it. <laughs> I mean the 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 playgrounds near us are all caution taped caution up, mm. which is yep. like something out of 28 days later. It's Yeah. Yeah. Surreal. Wow. You know, it's funny though we we drove down to the Great South Bay yesterday and and parked for a second and there were a lot of cars like socially distanced cars, like parking <laughs> two, two spots away just to look at the water. You know, people needed to get out and to go to the end of Foster nature. Avenue. Do you yeah, think we yeah, need yeah. to bring back drive-in movies where you just went to the movies? Yeah, and oh, that's an idea. Yeah. yeah, and we can and Bluetooth. Honestly, you we wouldn't can... need that big microphone. Just turn on your phone or whatever. You just blue, <laughs> right. have a Bluetooth well, receiver Bluetooth, there, Bluetooth, and then Bluetooth yeah, it right yeah, to your yeah. car, and you got surround sound, right? You know, a library yeah. could do that in a big parking lot. It would be the coolest thing. Oh, that would be big blow-up screen. What a great idea! That would be awesome. Chris, you do it. Just put up a big sign at the beginning. Sally's idea. <laughs> yes. Right. Sponsored by Lilric. Right. Do it at Smith Haven Mall or something like that. Yeah, because yeah. people know who we are. No, they have a nice spot. But it's, uh, yeah, in the parking lot. And we just have they to have get to the concerts. I don't know what's going to happen with that. I mean, we, we had the blow up the blow up screen that we've done for, you know, pop up stuff and outreach. But you'd have to make something much bigger. 
No, you need the huge olden days screen. Oh my god! Well, yeah. They do it in the city. They do it on the sides of buildings, right? They take right. an yeah, empty yeah, lot. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do it on the side of the mall. Good. Do it on the Sears side since Sears closed. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that's what they do in Sydney for Vivid Festival, which got cancelled this year. But they take over the entire city and just blow things up and do all graphics on the, on the side of buildings. So and on the opera house and all that, that sort of thing. So why not? It's a good idea. Three, 3D project, projection, that's what you need to get into. Oh, holographic, you mean? No, no, just no. no, just to map it to the building. So you're projecting onto the building, but you only hit the building. So if it's an odd shape like the opera house, it only illuminates the opera house. It doesn't illuminate behind it. You need a little Disney Imagineering. That's what we need. That's what it we need. Just, it would look awesome. It, it struck me this afternoon just thinking about science fiction and how we're all living virtually now. This is like the worst Matrix ever. <laughs> just all <laughs> looking at yes, each other. That is so, not doing anything cool. It's funny you <laughs> mentioned that. I am not this week, but the following week, I'm going to be doing a special episode of Turn the Page with the sci fi author Annalie Newitz. Um, and. The proposal for the episode is a sci-fi author's guide to reading during the pandemic. Wow. Uh, oh, nice. Great idea. Because why not? <laughs> Opportunity knocks. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, but I am really curious what sci-fi, I mean, as a consumer of sci-fi fiction, I know how I feel, but I'm wondering as somebody who's been immersed in, you know, sci-fi and actually writes sci-fi first of all what are you reading <laughs> second of all how are you feeling about all of this yeah and, and when, who's going to be writers. who's going to be inspired think, for the next movie too right? yeah yeah they may not read sci-fi they might be reading mysteries you know then hmm. you have the whole like uh akira thing where like that you know the night the famous anime sci-fi post-apocalyptic um, uh, uh, movie pred predicts the cancellation of the Tokyo Olympics of 2020 and uh, uh, the, the world becoming ravaged by, by disease. And it's, it's, it's interesting to see like stills from sci-fi movies that kind of like enhance the terror of the entire situation. Mm -hmm. um, and also makes, it's also one of these things where it's like, you wish it didn't exist because just looking at it, you're like, Oh no, this is too real. <laughs> that's right that's right but i have to say if this is a sci-fi movie this is the most boring sci-fi movie i've ever seen <laughs> we're not the main characters chris it's like i don't, don't want to don't be a main character in that story there's no ice cream in there <laughs> i don't really want to be in the exciting part of that story i don't either <laughs> no 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 that's the weird the weird feeling about it it's all happening somewhere else you know it's happening outside yeah. in the hospital and you're just kind of hearing about it but you're stuck at home right they're literally out there trying to cure this thing like they're racing against time to cure this thing and i'm just like we'll go watch some hobbit tonight it'll be good <laughs> what are they going to call this pandemic the search for toilet paper <laughs> <laughs> on broadway pandemic the musical yeah exactly <laughs> oh man so we've covered a lot of ground and we've been going for an hour and 20 minutes wow so I think this is as good a time as ever to wrap up and to say thank you to everybody that's contributed again to another, I think, very 
imaginative and uh, creative and informative uh, episode of the podcast. And I'm not saying I'm not just saying that because it's our podcast, but um, hopefully this will resonate with everybody who listens and they've made it this far into the podcast. And um, I have to say that the the last episode that we did hit about 20 different countries. So wow. it resonates. Wow. Cool. Yeah, we've That's had really over, cool. I believe, over 500 downloads just of, of that episode. So um, I think what we're saying resonates. I think that um, everybody here um, had a great perspective of what we were talking about. And I think we can all say that there's hope for the future, even though it, it seems you know pretty dark right now. We all can pretty much say that there, there is hope. There is the other end of this bell curve. And I think we're going to be just fine as long as we wash our hands and stay self-isolated and, and wait for this to, to ride out. Um, so... Everybody, thanks it for coming. It will end. That I think it will end. Yes, it'll it probably end for us first, um, uh, Rob. Before you, so because yeah, you're what three weeks behind us, two weeks behind us, two weeks behind. Yeah. So that being said, I just want to say to everybody: stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you all real soon. Thank you. No thanks, worries. everybody. Thank you so thanks, much. Chris. Okay. Stay safe, Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks, stay Bob. Stay safe. Stay safe. We have come to the end of another episode of The Library Pros, and we thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments on this or any episode, click on the Contact Us form on our website, thelibrarypros.com. Visit us on Twitter at The Library Pros and on Facebook at facebook.com slash thelibrarypros. Don't forget to tell a friend or colleague and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Special thanks to our podcasting engineer, Dean Meyer. Remember, the opinions stated by the library pros and their guests are solely those of Chris and Bob and are not those of the Sachem Public Library, the MS Clark Memorial Library, or any other library. See you next time. You've been listening to the Library Pros Podcast. The Library Pros are brought to you by Pippet Productions and by the Library Pros themselves, Krista Christofaro and Bob Johnson. Special thanks to Sachem Public Library for providing space for this podcast. Until the next turn of the page, I'm your announcer, Carlton Welch.